Well, it is uh, an honor for me to uh, present uh, the gospel uh, in uh, in verbal form, as God has uh, spoken to me throughout the week and in a variety of ways. It is uh, just such a privilege to be able to share his word with us all together this morning. Uh, just want to uh, share, by way of announcement, a couple of uh, additional things that we're trying to make available. So uh, if you are listening online, uh, we are going to try to have um, sermon uh, video and things that we'll be posting. Uh, if you are here this morning and you haven't checked out uh, the uh, my YouTube channel, uh, there's a link to that in our Facebook page, so Abundant Life AG on Facebook. Um, and, and I'm trying to encapsulate these sermons in uh, short form as well. So uh, if you haven't seen that yet, uh, you'll be able to go back and kind of review the main point um, in about uh, five minutes. Uh, so uh, if, if I'm getting long-winded, you can just go home and get the main point, you know, online. Um, one of the things, though, you know, I've been wrestling with, you know, what is the purpose of coming together in person? You know, like, um, as a preacher, uh, being able to see an audience is certainly helpful. Um, for the audience to see you is nice. Um, at the moment, if you're listening online, all you're getting is audio, so this is more like a podcast. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to still have the slides come up on the Facebook feed. Uh, all of these technology things can be beautiful and wonderful if they work. They can be incredibly aggravating if they don't. But back to the main question, like what is it that happens? Why come together in person? Um, there's something about the relationship, right, the interaction. Um, if you're just listening, you're hearing a little girl cry, you don't know what she's crying about. If you're here present, you know exactly why she's upset. Is because she'd stolen her brother's tie and now he wants it back. Like that makes perfect sense if you're present. Um, but it's kind of weird if you just hear babies crying in the background. But there's more than that. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I think there's something profoundly absent when you're looking at a screen. Yeah, and, and I, I, this is not part of what I planned on saying this morning, but I think it's applicable for us today to, to remember that nothing will ever replace face-to-face interaction. Like, it never gets quite there. It might get close. Uh, and for grandparents, you can probably really relate to this. Um, seeing your grandkids on a screen versus getting to watch them play in person, like, that's never good enough. The screen is never good enough, right? Like, I got grandparents like, yeah, amen. <laughs> it just doesn't compare. As, and certainly, we are so thrilled that we have opportunities like this. But coming together in community, face-to-face community, is a spiritual connection. The body of Christ is not a group of people that have a certain tagline or, or a certain um, affinity. It's not a check-the-box on a government census form or when you're signing up for a new Facebook account. Uh, Christian is not just a check-the-box thing. It's a relationship that's bigger than just a relationship with God Almighty, which how can it be bigger than that? It's, it's also a connection with others who claim that same name 
And one of the amazing things that happens in community is you hear from God. You literally are hearing the voice of God come out of your friend and neighbor. Has anyone else experienced this? Where somebody's like, hey, I was praying and I had this thought. Or, you know, I was reading the Bible and this just really stood out. Or or someone's just sharing something that might seem uh, benign to them and like there's there's no real implications to what I'm speaking here. And then suddenly you're like, wow, that was for me. What you just said hit me right between the eyes. You might be watching uh, a, a message, but... There's something different when you're sitting down face-to-face and somebody goes, man, I just feel like God's saying this to me. And, and there's a spiritual connection in that moment. I don't want my relationship with God to be simply a screen time thing. You Think about that for a second. Is, is your connection to God like screen time? I turn him on when I'm interested. We turn it off when I'm getting bored. Uh, when things are not going well, it's like, eh, well, we'll tune in next time. Thanks, God. That was a, a fine devotional time this morning. Uh, see you next week. You know, are, are we just screen time believers? Where, I, I don't know about you, but I've noticed, um, I was kind of bummed. I was watching Facebook analytics um, so you can see how often <laughs> I'm carrying my little girl now because she wanted to come say hi. Part of relationship, right? When you have a Facebook or YouTube channel, you're able to look into uh, how often people watch and how long they watch things. And I was getting kind of disappointed. I got a shadow today. <laughs> She's two. She's going to follow me everywhere. Um but then I started paying attention to my own habits when I was watching stuff. Like, you tune in for a couple of minutes, you're like, okay, well, that was good, I'm, I'm done. And you click out, and I feel like the same thing happens with Jesus. Like, I'll sit down sometimes, try and read the Bible, and you're like, well, that was a good two minutes. Like, I'm ready to move on to something else. Like, I got, I got work to do, God. Like, you didn't speak to me really in this instant moment, and... I'm used to either fast-paced entertainment, fast-paced results. I didn't get it here, so we're going to move on. Uh, And so that's the sermon before the sermon. I I don't want any of us to miss the real relationship that God has for us. We're in this series entitled Infinitely More. God has infinitely more in mind for you and I than we could ever imagine or even ask for. Like, that's the thing that's crazy about our foundation text In Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God's power for his glory doing more than we might even ask for. Man, like, so what does that look like? You know, I mentioned Psalm 139 in our prayer time earlier, and that psalm has spoken so much to me. I, I memorized it back in college, and it has become such a useful prayer throughout my life. But there's one phrase that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, there, there's so much more that God has put into you and I, so many more plans 
so much more that he wants to accomplish in you and through you that it, it's even beyond what you could guess, what you could dream. In your wildest dreams, God's ideas are bigger. You know, we're going to f- take a look at one of Jesus' team. You know, he formed a team early in his ministry. We call them the disciples. But it's kind of like his ministry workforce. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to change the world, and I need you and you and you and you. And where does he go? Uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you're watching online, it'll be on the screen. Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and it was the one belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down, he taught the people from the boat. So he's basically using the water like a megaphone, you know? So he gets out there so all the crowd can hear him. And he's preaching from the boat. When he's finished speaking, he says to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. (laughs) Simon says, "Uh, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I think that response is incredible. You know, he's not caught up in the catch suddenly he realizes that this man that I am with is so much greater than me, and he suddenly sees that I don't fit in the same category as this guy at all. We don't belong in the same boat. Verse 9, for Peter, Simon Peter, and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Quite the interaction, right? You know, Peter probably did not imagine that morning that uh, he would give up fishing. That's not what he planned to do that day. He was just going to work, going to do what he always did. You know, he, he go, goes out in the evening, he fishes all night. Really disappointing work day. Caught nothing. Like, he, he fishes for a living. This is what he does every day, and he catches nothing. So the disappointment you can imagine as he's cleaning his nets, and then this guy who just taught, it's like, man, he's got a lot of good stuff to say, but he's no fisherman, <laughs> Right? And so now we're out in the boat already. It's like, wow, I really respect everything he said, and it's amazing. But, like, really? You really feel like I should drop my nets down? And Peter doesn't take the time to explain to Jesus that this is not going to work. Just, okay, but, you know, it's almost like he gives a little nod so that he can say, I told you so later. (laughs) We've been out all night. We caught nothing. But because you asked me to, like, I'll respect you and I'll do this. But just know it's not going to work. That's, that's kind of how I imagine Peter responding. But there's a little bit of a test going on here. Is Peter really going to drop the nets down or not? 
And, and when you notice that after Peter does it, Jesus responds with a miraculous catch of fish. And the miracle happened after Peter risked something. He had to take an action step, right? He had to do something before the miracle. And so the first point is that God is looking for obedience over ability. Obviously, Peter was not able to make fish come into his nets. Otherwise, he would have done it earlier when he was out there all night. But Jesus was just looking for someone who would be willing to obey. Secondly, God calls us outside of our comfort zones. You know, Peter had to do something that could have looked embarrassing. You know, he's got friends around, his companions. He's got his business partners. They're all still cleaning their nets back on shore. Now, Peter's out there in his boat. And I imagine as James, John, the other fishermen, they see Peter. And he's out there with this Jesus guy. And now he's pulling his nets out to drop down in the middle of the morning. Like, dude, this is not when you go fishing. Or maybe it's late in the afternoon. I don't know how long Jesus taught and at what time of day, but we know they were fishing over nighttime. So this could be pretty embarrassing things like, dude, John, look. Peter got suckered into dropping his nets. He's going to have to start all over and cleaning them. So he had to risk. God called him out of his comfort zone. In fact, there's three different occasions where Peter has to step out of a boat. The first one, he's already in the boat with Jesus. When they get back to shore, Jesus tells him that he's going to be fishing for people. He has to leave everything behind. It's verse 10 of Luke 5. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. They pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything and followed Jesus. So he steps out from the family business. He steps out from a community of people that he was familiar with. He steps out a second time, but this time he's on a boat stepping out into the water in the middle of a storm. We can find this story recorded in Matthew 14, starting in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. The disciples are in a boat rowing in the middle of a storm. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Now Peter answers him. This is really interesting. Something's changed in Peter from that first time he stepped out of a boat to begin following Jesus. And he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Now, if it was someone pretending to be Jesus, they could have said, come too, <laughs> right? All that was required was somebody to say, come. That's bizarre. But he says, if it's you, ask me to come. Jesus says, come. Now, uh, close your eyes for a second and picture this. You have a storm. They've been rowing and rowing. They're not making any progress because of the wind, the waves. It's dark. It's the middle of the night. And this dude, Peter who a moment ago they were terrified thinking there's a ghost on the water. He's like, hey, maybe it's Jesus. If you ask me to, I will step over this rail into the water. Because if you can walk on the water, certainly you could make it work for me too. Now, I don't, you know, Peter's impulsive, but this, is, this takes it up a notch, you know? Like, yeah, I'll go. I'm game. Let's try it, man. So he steps out. 
Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, there's a third step that Peter ended up taking, but it was not after some failure, some significant failure. To, to catch us up on the story, to see what took place before that final stepping out of the boat that's recorded in the Gospels, we look at Luke 22, Luke 22, verse 54. So to catch you up as you're turning there, Luke 22, uh, Jesus has prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's about to be arrested. And we know from the story that Jesus' arrest is going to lead to beatings, scourgings, crucifixion, death. Luke 22:54. Then, seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow's with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as Peter was speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Imagine their eyes connecting in that moment. I don't know him. And then their eyes meet. And there's that moment that passes between them. And everything that Jesus has told Peter, all that they've been through, I imagine flashing before Peter's eyes. So the Lord looks at Peter, and Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. You know, Jesus had been arrested. Peter's afraid. He doesn't know what's going to happen to his Lord. But he also doesn't know what's going to happen to him if he's lumped in with this Jesus guy. And where does Peter go? As the story continues, we find that after Jesus has been nailed to the cross, Peter's just like, yeah, um, even after the resurrection, Peter's like, yeah, I don't, I don't belong here. Hey, guys, I'm going fishing, he says. We find that in John 21. John 21, verse 3. So we went from this man who was just doing his thing fishing. That's what he was comfortable with, right? Jesus shows up on the scene, invites him into a new life, become a fisher of men. And then he has some amazing, miraculous experiences. He steps out of a boat and literally walks on top of water. And then he denies the very one who enabled him to do it. And after three years of all of this, Peter's back in a boat fishing. John 21, 3. Peter says, I'm going out fishing. We'll go with you. So they went out, got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Oh, hey, look, we've come right back full circle, haven't we? You know, don't allow failure 
to push you back in the boat. You know, I don't know where you stand in your journey of following Jesus, but I know I've had my share of failures. As my wife shared, we've had a, you know, a personal one even this week that I've had to confront the things in my own heart and my own life and, and ask God, you know, what's true, what's not. And there's, I'll be honest, a temptation to just throw in the towel. You know, it's like, why, why do I want to keep going? You know, I, I can identify with Peter going, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to face failure again. I don't want to mess up anymore. I'm not worthy. I, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. You know, these are all things that we've all heard, right? These are the voices that we battle on a constant basis. Some more than others. But Peter just goes and gets back in the boat. He's essentially giving up. But God's purpose still stands. That's the third point. That regardless of what you've done, or maybe are doing now, that doesn't change God's plans for you. It doesn't. Your failure doesn't dictate God's faithfulness. Your failure doesn't dictate God's faithfulness. God is faithful regardless of whether you are or not. And so what happens? John 21, 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. See, there's this moment where a guy walking on the beach is hollering out to them. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, Peter puts on his outer garments because he's taken it off. He jumps into the water. After seeing and hearing Jesus, he takes that third step out of a boat. Jesus meets Peter once for this call to follow him a second to step out of his comfort zone, and a third into an ongoing life of infinitely more than Peter could have asked or imagined. If you know Peter's story, you know that he goes on to preach one sermon that results in 3,000 people accepting this message about Jesus and becoming followers of his. Not to mention all the things that we get to see that happen in Peter's life. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Think of what you were a year ago, 10 years ago. Think of your childhood. Think about all the things that God has either provided or brought you through and his faithfulness. I want to share just a brief story. You know, when uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in church. And early on, though, I really felt like, you know, I don't want to go through the same junk that I see my friends go through in, in relationships. And so I had uh, decided before God that I was going to date differently and um, had some good influences in my life that, as youth pastors and stuff that encouraged us to live in purity, right? Uh, so there was this girl I was interested in in high school, and and we were essentially dating, but, uh, you know, the only physical things we did was I held her hand and walked her, you know, to 
you know, walked her to church, walked her, you know, just holding hands. That's all we did. I never kissed her, anything like that. Uh, but I knew that God had something different still, even more extreme, if you will. And so I had, I had to make that difficult decision. Am I going to have this conversation and stop this relationship because God has something more for me, different for me than I'm comfortable with? Uh, so I really thought that she would understand because we were both Christians. We'd already talked about someday, seven years from now, you know, like that high school dreamy sort of place that we find ourselves in. In seven years, we'll get married and we'll travel the country as relationship speakers. Like that was actually what I had thought was going to happen. You know, like God has so much more for us. And so I thought when I said, hey, uh, I think we need to, you know, not be dating like we are. Um, that she would understand, and we would be great friends, and then I could propose in a few years, and then we'd start our ministry life together. Well, we had that conversation, and the next day she found somebody else. Got to see the photos a week later of their first kiss. And I'd given my heart to this girl, and for a year and a half we'd been together, and I'd been saving our first kiss for a wedding day. So, following after God, stepping out of my comfort zone, doing something that I wasn't expecting, thinking God was going to return that with this glorious tale, felt like instead that I got stabbed in the back by the very God who'd called me. I didn't realize that he, his plans were so much bigger and greater. So fast forward to try and make a, a four-hour story, only four minutes. Uh, I'm working at a summer camp as a college kid. And one of my best friends, her name was Michelle, she and one of her friends were taking a road trip. And they call me and say, hey, we're taking a road trip, thought we might swing by. I'm like, swing by? Aren't you taking a trip down the California coast? I'm over by Lake Tahoe. Like, that's hours out of the way. <laughs> and yeah, well, we were going to be in the area. So she and her friends show up, and, and it was just a week before. The, the plans had been made, and, and I was praying. I'm like, man, there's nobody that compares to this friend of mine. And, I, and I'm taking a shower in the middle of the uh, weekend, preparing for this next week of campers who will come in. And it's like, God, can I just marry Michelle? Like, can she be my wife? And the Holy Spirit of God spoke very clearly in that moment. Yes. So I was so profoundly struck by it, I literally had to hold myself up so I didn't fall down, passed out in the shower, which would have been really embarrassing for other staff members to have to come rescue me or something. And so that led to a, a telephone courtship over the next few months, which led to a proposal, which led to our marriage, which has led to 15 years and five kids together. And we're just getting started, right? See, God had infinitely more. What I could see as a high school junior was such a narrow field of view. But I stepped out. Like, I know God's calling me to do relationship differently. 
And God blessed me far beyond what I could have ever asked for or imagined. We didn't imagine five kids either. But if you're here today, you see them all running around. And I wouldn't trade any of them. I love each of my kids, and they have changed me and helped me to grow and be a better man. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what things God has been speaking to you, but I would guarantee that there's a few things going on. For each and every one of us, there's that call to accept Jesus for salvation, right? Like, we got to step out of the boat in the first place. we got to go, yeah, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to leave behind this old way of living. That's for everybody. And once you take that first step out of the boat, there's a second call that immediately follows. Are you willing to follow me anywhere? Are you willing to be part of what I'm doing in the world? That's the next call that Jesus has for us. And so I'd like to pray as we close right now. Join me. Lord Jesus, I know that we've all received that call to accept you for salvation. And I also know that you have infinitely more in store for us. You've planned far more than we could ask or imagine. And so, Lord, as we are all reflecting on these things today, Lord, that you would speak profoundly to us, stir our hearts and our souls to respond to you, to be willing to obey. Even if we feel like we're in a dark room and all we've got is negatives, Lord, that you would develop your image in us. Help us to surrender, not to some cosmic being, but surrender to a loving Heavenly Father who loves us more than we could ever ask or think. And Lord, we do pray that your perfect will would be done in our lives. Help us to take risks this week, not just to be risky, but Lord, to step out in faith in following you. That you would speak to us your vision and your mission and calling that you have for us. And that there would be no part of our lives that we leave locked up from you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My challenge to all of us is that we join in. This message is about participating with Jesus in his work in the world. And so go and be a participant, not an observer. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. If you have some prayer requests, uh, would like to pray just privately together about anything, feel free to do so, hang out for a bit, um, and we will see you next week. Uh, Check us out online for more uh, devotionals, and we'll follow up with some of these uh, service thoughts and message thoughts as we go. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.